looking at what it is and what's capable I don't know if it's capable or not, but I wouldn't be surprised if it is. I mean, the rate that, and it's quite ironic because I say we move slowly. We have these explosive moments where if it's a trend and everyone gets on behind that trend, like Elon Musk started with electric cars. It wasn't within the first year that electric cars came on, but now look at it. Now it's a trend and everyone's behind it. Look how quickly it's moving. Data, artificial intelligence, the metaverse, crypto and Web3, and quantum computing are just a few of the technology innovations that are changing the way we live, work, and experience the universe. I am your host, Ganesh Padmanabhan, and this is Stories in AI, a podcast where we explore the various facets of technologies like AI, its impact on individuals, organizations, and the society. You will hear from a variety of experts and practitioners, their personal stories, their best practices, and advice to put technology to work. I hope you enjoy this engaging conversations. Now, before we begin, a note about our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Experian, whom you may know as the Consumer Credit Bureau, but they are at heart a data company. When you're buying a car or home, sending your kids to college, or borrowing to grow your business, Experian is most likely helping you behind the scenes. They unlock the power of data to make better decisions, get access to financial services, and to prevent crime, unlocking a whole world of opportunities for individuals and organizations. Find out more at Experian.com. In today's discussion, I speak with my good friend, Tom Allen. Tom is the founder of the AI Journal. He's an AI enthusiast. He's been featured in Forbes, the Harvard Business Review, Business Leader, Yahoo Finance, Market Watch, Reuters. And the AI Journal, the company he built starting 2020, Feb 2020, I think, has been labeled as the, one of the fastest growing new media company you need to watch. And they've always gotten some awards as the most admired media brand. And what they do is they serve startups, small and medium businesses, publicly traded companies with research and advisory and consulting services. They have over a million monthly web audience and they you know, are building a community of AI enthusiasts over the world. Everything from data scientists to data analysts to data engineers to business leaders and stuff. And it's just a fascinating story. And Tom has a very interesting vantage point on what he sees in the market. And I was so excited to have him on the show. I hope you enjoy the conversation. I really had a blast talking to Tom. Tom Allen, welcome to Stories in AI. How is your Friday going? Great to be here, Ganesh. Really excited to be on the Stories in AI show. And uh, thank you for having me. My Friday is uh, going really well. And uh, even better now, I get to finish off my Friday speaking to you on this awesome podcast. So thank you for having me, sir. So, you know, you know, we should we should have planned it better to actually have, be sitting here with a pint as we go through it. But we'll do it afterwards for sure <laughs> on FaceTime. You know, uh, so thanks again for jumping on the show. Why don't we start with your personal journey, your story? Tell us your story. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, really, my background, Ganesh, is from marketing. So that's where I really thrived. And uh, funnily enough, I didn't think I'd actually go into marketing. I did a a, um, a university course in it. And then I was at uh, Capgemini or Capgemini subsidiary, where I kind of got my first look at AI and first look at emerging tech, which was really cool. Um, and then I moved over to the PR world for account 
based work. And uh, yeah, I went to a marketing agency and found my feet. And that's where uh, I went to a, eventually to a manufacturing business. And that's where I saw my first kind of looks of uh, big automation solutions, being on the shop floor of big companies and uh, seeing some big gantry robots fly around and uh, right down to the small FMCG good robots like uh, um, Omron or someone like that. And uh, really, or Staubli and seeing how they operate. And that really gave me uh, the insight to how to market these kind of stories to people and uh, where we are today with AI Journal. So it's been uh, very progressive, uh, very not planned, I guess, and uh, but very exciting at the same time. So a lot of uh, new things, but it's been, it's been a good story so far. That is awesome. That is, and it's a great story. And I want to hear all about the AI Journal story. And what really fascinated me when we met, and I was, you know, researching on AI Journal and the community that you've built in a very short span of time, reinforces one of the fundamental beliefs I have about AI. AI is all too much a very critical technology that, you know, can completely and is already changing the face of mankind. Right, you know, all yeah. different industries, all different people, people, societies, businesses, governments, and entire gamut of things. But it is also what people don't often realize is, unlike other technologies, it's a very collaborative technology, right? Wherein yeah. you're bringing in people from different disciplines, you're bringing in different disciplines within it. For the first time in the world, you're getting software engineering, mathematicians, and statisticians, and you know, data science and subject matter expertise on different industries all coming together to solve these amazing problems. And, you know, in a crude sort of way, you're trying to pass on a little bit of humanity into yeah. machines and algorithms, right? So it's a very collaborative technology, if you will. And community becomes a very important and critical pillar to making this happen. So I want to hear about the AI journal story. Right? You know, how, how did you come about? Like, you know, why did you think there was a need for what, you know, what problem did you see that needs to be solved? And what are your lessons from building that community? Yeah, really appreciate it. So I look at it in the same kind of way as you, to your point as well. Um, when I look at uh, AI, I almost don't look at it as a technology. That's not to say it isn't one, but I look at it as a capability that allows people to do a lot more. So it's more than a technology in my eyes because it plugs into anything. It goes to different versions and it's a real, like you said, it's, it spans across all different backgrounds, all different services, all different businesses. And I started noticing this thinking, okay, and uh, one of my friends was a data developer and I'd occasionally hear them. And when I was at uni with him, he did advanced maths and I'd uh, two of them did advanced maths and I was uh, in a housemate with both of them. So I kind of guess I saw the kind of, I didn't realize it much at the time. I just thought, wow, I'll never understand that. But that's when I went into engineering. I really thought people need to learn about this. People need to know about this. And um, it really was from a selfish point of view, but I wanted to teach myself because I was in a, uh, a landscape where I didn't understand what the technology was or what our language was or how machine vision works or all these mainly more physical aspects work. And I really wanted to create a hub. So I went and bought the domain and just um, set it up and uh, kept it open source. And that way we've really had really kind contributors such as yourself, Ganesh, to come on board and um, share insights. And that's where we really have the passion. It's, it always will be my passion, regardless of whatever else we do. It's to educate as many people as we can on AI and emerging tech by looking at it as an open source model. It's free to come and learn, to look and really break it down into simple terms that show you practical reasons for how technology, not just AI, cloud, IoT, sensors, uh, data, whatever you want to look at, 
how these relate to the world and how to look at the talent problems as well, or talent opportunities, I'd rather say, of how to get people trained up to whether you're in a software as a service business or understanding how you, you can view your data, all these topics that don't always get addressed. And I, maybe they did, but I didn't spot it anywhere. And that's really where we came up with it to to, to educate people. And that's where the, the passion will always be for me, Ganesh, to educate people on, to help people, to show frameworks that you can actually not just hear a buzzword, but you can actually understand, okay, this is how machine learning can help me understand something within a marketing department, or this is how I can understand why autonomous driving is going to be a big time saver or whatever it is, all through small little snippets that we do to help people understand it. And by having it open source, we get the best of the best and we get the people with the new ideas and we get people from all ranges. We don't have it one-sided. So it's a, it's a real exciting journey and it's, um, it's, it's been great to see how quickly we've grown and that's down to one thing or uh, two things, the user experience and user engagement, which is uh, from contributors such as yourself uh, right through to the awesome people that decide to use our platform every day. So it's, um, it's a lot more to come, but it's um, been a, a good first year. So it's been a very wild year as well. So, yeah. That's that's amazing, Tom. And you know, there's a few things that you said that I just want to reemphasize and, and stress on for the audience, right? One is, you know, there is a lot, there's no dearth of AI content in the internet. Like you go yes. anywhere, you find a lot of AI. But there is a huge gap. And this is why I started, you know, Stories in AI, you know, about six months ago, where yeah. there is a lot of propaganda from companies that talk about this is how you should do it, right? And that's one part of the one kind of content. And there's a lot of content which was more about uh, you know, deep technical content, which is like, hey, here is how you would do a gradient boost or an XG boost algorithm to uh, predict a risk score. I'm like, great. But then that both, both of that actually satisfies a small group of the population who wants to get into this thing, right? And I fundamentally think that AI is such a powerful technology, like we talked about, that can change the face of humanity that you yeah. need more and more people to be part of that community, trying to build it, trying to be a part of it. And even if whether you're a, a marketer coming with no background in programming or statistics, whether you are uh, uh, you know, uh, a rickshaw driver in South of India, if you will, you yeah. should be able to contribute to the market, create you know, some kind of economic value for the community and for yourself, but being part yeah. of it. And AI yeah. for the first time and the internet and crypto and all of these technologies provide that landscape for you to do it, right? So um, I think to your point, right, it is practical, sharing practical insights, what's happening, which is I think we are very aligned on that vision. And that's why I was actually very um, honored when you you know, invited me to be part of the advisory board for, um, uh, for, for AI Journal, because I think the mission, we, we are very aligned on that mission. How do you spread? How do you educate people? How do you inspire people to get, be a part of this movement that is happening, right? It's once in a lifetime opportunity. Uh, when the technology is maturing. And then on the other hand, you mentioned was like, you know, it's about the open source nature, right? How do you keep it open? How do you keep it community driven? I've been an open source, you know, proponent, like my background in software engineering and stuff too, right? And, yeah. you know, there was this, um, I, think, I think the first book that really explored that concept was The Cathedral and the Bazaar. I mean, you should check it out if you haven't, which is, it talks about how, the cathedral way of actually thinking, which is like, you know, it's basically calling out the the old uh, Roman church, uh, Catholic church kind of a model versus yeah. the bazaar model where things just happen. And, you know, when communities form, 
you know, the, the vendor one, you know, there is, there's gaps in the market that is automatically filled and it's, you know, it's more dynamic, if you will. And that's yeah. the opportunity with open source and community. Uh, so yeah. fascinating work you're doing for sure. Appreciate it. And I'd say a hundred percent agree because I, I can't remember when I saw the stats and I wouldn't quote the stats, but it was, I was looking at a comparison between when you look at software, software that's open source and you look at software that's closed. It's just amazing. The, 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 the progression of open source and how much you get new better ideas like share like it goes down to the simple word sharing is caring because the more you share it's like proven time and time again it's how you come up with better ideas if you try and do everything by yourself and being open source for a platform like you're doing and like we're doing it, when people ask me how have you achieved quick growth it, it's literally putting it down to well put three or four people in the same room you're going to get some great ideas coming about of it if they're all on the same path and i think it was um people looking at android compared to ios which one do you prefer debatable and there's pros and cons to each side but the, the benefit that they had was if you look at the amount that ios the amount of apps that they have compared to the amount of apps that uh, android have android are obviously open source and android were able to learn a lot quicker on what was working and what wasn't working. They were able to fix bugs a lot quicker. They were able to fix programs a lot quicker because they had just so much more input and so many more, so many more data points, which is why things like AI and machine learning are, are big things today. But I, I saw that and I was like, open source is clearly the way. Obviously, Apple are very savvy with their marketing and very smart and arguably down to Steve Jobs. But looking at it from that kind of way, they were just moving at such a momentum. And it was all basically from what I could see, through having it as open source and not being closed off and being a closed shop. And that really opened my eyes to think, wow, uh, how progressive just open source is of anything, not just in the AI world, but if you're in any industry for anyone listening, it's, it's, it's the way forward. Yeah. It gives you that network. And, and, you know, it's so, so funny uh, and so uh, not funny, but like very uh, insightful, what you're actually calling out because you know, if you look at, I'm an iOS user in, through and through, that said, I totally get it, right? And there is like your trade-off experience for the variety and the choice and the freedom of things that you do in an open source uh, uh, fashion. The harder part, even though the Android versus iOS experience really showed everybody was it's hard to manage a community, right? You can't, yeah. right? A community is, it's the bazaar. It happens when it happens and the way it happens. And how do you channel it? And the most uh, you know, I know this is not a discussion about open source, but, you know, one of the big debates that I always have with my friends and around who are like uh, not so much into open source, they're like, look, nobody has ever made an, uh, money in open source is the classic, you know, entrepreneurial pushback that I get. And I just yeah. ask them to look at crypto, right? Look at Bitcoin, the biggest open source code that still, you know, you can download it into a floppy drive, if you will, the entire Bitcoin code, right? And it's 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 just created so much economic value for everybody. And that's the power of open source in general. And I know it's not just open source, it's the internet and stuff like that, right? So, but anyway, yeah. fascinating. Yeah, I was just going to say, if you look at that, though, Ganesh, with anything from, if you look at an RPA company, like they say it's why UiPath did so well, because they had the developer program and they kept it very largely open and they made it a community-driven business, essentially. And that's what did lead them, in my views, to being... The, the leader in RPA at the moment, or the, the one that's gone public at least, and you look at it from something like GitHub, the amount, I'd love to know the stack, Ganesh, how many people have founded businesses of each other that they found through GitHub and through code that they've used and what businesses have come out of that. And I'd love exactly. to know from Reddit as well. Look at Reddit, everyone uses it. It's open source. It's just everyone's welcome and it's where you get the ideas. It's where you get the, yeah, I can, I can bang on to you why open source is a way forward, but I'm glad we're on the same page. 
No, that's awesome. That is awesome. No, very, very, and, and, you know, what an impressive piece of work you've done and you continue to do, you know, growing this community with AI Journal. So talk about AI. You know, what have you seen in the industry and, you know, with all your conversations, the research you do and some of the reports you published as well. So what are the big themes you see in the world of AI today? Yeah, so great question. There's a lot going on. And I think um, definitely off the back of the pandemic, how much AI is being used in healthcare and what it can be used to to do in those areas, how effective it was. I, I've read various different reports and different insights to how effective it was or to how well the models were trained because obviously COVID hit us and everyone's predictions went out the window because that's, that's why I personally, I'm not a massive fan of predictions because something like COVID comes along and it just scrubbles everything. So it was really interesting to see how AI and machine learning and how quickly people were uh, especially data teams adapting to try and make use of this data. And I know someone um, over in Australia, they were mapping a lot of the, the data across all of Australia to understand hospitalizations, to understand where the entry points were, everything just highly quickly. So it's been amazing to see in that area. Uh, another area is AI for the global warming situation. Um, so if someone really wants to, or any of your audience watching, um, as an explained episode, so explained, quick side note, it's one of my personal favorite series. I love it. And I love how quick they're short, they're bite size. And there's one on tornadoes, and it really doesn't touch really on the topic of AI and ML, but it touches on a higher level view of how to be able to predict those. And that's going to be huge because... Um, there's amazing companies out there like NVIDIA that are doing amazing work to try and stop um, or to try and lower energy, to stop outages like what happened in Texas, to do all these things through learning that data, feeding it back and making sure that these things don't happen, like no one has to go, out, go without energy or people can get evacuated before a storm hits or whatever it is. Those models are running thousands of simulations. And I'd say off the back of that, another big thing is you could call it metaverse. I'd say metaverse is one on its own, but also digital twins. So digital twins, maybe not mm -hmm. all AI, but the idea that you can model something can just run simulation after simulation after simulation after simulation is that is so valuable and so important to be able to see. And I think it was, um, was it the uh, names escaped me? Unity. Unity came out and um, I'm, great team there they came out saying they're going to try and map the whole world essentially and run simulations which is just that's obviously going to use so much data that's so much ai to try and map. can you imagine how many things happen on a day-to-day -day basis what's happening up the road from you right now what's happening 10 minutes from me all these different situations they're trying to map that into a digital twin it's incredible but if you can be able to map those kind of situations it's um especially with things like aviation or areas like that it's brilliant uh, the metaverse, I see that becoming uh, an area that's going to be huge. Um, I always said it'd be the next business that I'd be going into trying to trying to create an application for the metaverse because I see it being bigger than e-commerce. I really do. Um, I see yeah. it being the next way we're going to shop, buy, and um, the next way we're going to do meetings, the next way we're going to run checks. And it's like Gary Vee said, the blockchain is where people are going to get married, let alone where people are going to go and buy. <laughs> that's buy your marriage on. registration. Marriage exactly. registry. Uh, no, it is. It's a fascinating. We we live in some amazing times. And to your point, right? You know, few few call outs. One definitely. It's it's you know people are often people who are in the machine learning data or AI community often yeah. try to think of me or measure progress from a perspective of you know oh have the transformer models solved this problem or AlphaGo has done this versus AlphaFold is doing uh, genoming sequ genome sequencing. 
But the reality is, if you take a step back and look at the impact AI is driving, the examples yeah. you gave, right? You know, being able to evacuate people, being able to help people in in distress, being you know, include driving more financial inclusion by using AI to power a lot of these things. And to your point, it's not just AI. I think what's most fascinating at this time in human history is a confluence of all these different technologies coming together. Yeah. And you know, I'm pretty sure I'm I'm pretty sure there's a chart out there. But if you actually uh, draw a chart of uh, you know how the innovation and how the pace of innovation and how it's actually made an impact we'll probably be looking at an exponential curve right now right because it's not just one it's like the fact that hey i can have uh, a distributed you know uh non-custodial database like the blockchain maintain you know data for everybody but then i can apply yeah. ai on it to actually do intelligence and how who's accessing it what's the relevance how do you pre- predict something and then bringing the two together to your point on metaverse I think fascinating. I'm I'm super excited about this too. And obviously, there's you know there's different camps of this thing, right? But you know, some people uh, could say that hey, the metaverse is just another uh, way to market virtual reality and you know extended reality and you know mixed reality, if you will. And maybe true, maybe that's true because that's true because those are building blocks that were actually being built. And what the metaverse concept and trying to make it a thing. Uh, and, and Harish Lodlikar, who's the CEO of Superworld, he was on my show last week. Yeah. He talks about it. And he, I said, I asked him, like, what is the metaverse, Harish? And he said, it's just the next evolution of the internet, right? It's just the way that you know you when and and um, you're just going to spend more time online than offline. And then how do yeah. you bring and take all the things that you love offline into the online world? And, you know, obviously you get to re-engineer a lot of things that you didn't like offline that you don't want that online, right? So things like that. So I think it provides a fascinating opportunity and, and we live in just such amazing times. So yeah. um, thank you. No, there's a lot of uh, a lot of cool technologies coming. And I always think it's the adoption as well that people, they want to jump to think it will take a long time to adopt it, but it will be here. Like the mobile phone, like we, God knows how much we spent. What would we do about mobile phones today? It would be... But when they first came out, or I remember when Instagram first came out, you're thinking, oh, I don't know if I'm going to use this. Now people are like, TikTok had more searches than Google. Like that just proves how much a market can pick up. And I think when people say, oh, I'm not going to use Google Glasses or Smart Glasses or whatever version you're going to use, I think you probably will. Like it's just because it would have become normal. It will become easier and it will become, it will become all <laughs> everyone else is doing. I can just see it coming, coming that way as much as people say, oh, I'll never wear them. I'm just like, oh, okay, we'll see about that in 10 years. Like, because this is a mobile phone is a digital arm of yourself, if you might. It, it, it's it's yeah. you. It's, it's, it's embodying you. Like you give your phone to someone else, you panic. You think, ah, don't take my phone because it's part of you, because it's got your data, it's got your identity it's got your persona all locked in those files and it will be the same with glasses and it will just remove the need to like oh yeah it's it's, it's going to be very awesome but also Ganesh just to the point and um to look at it also from a commercial point of view what's going to change with AI one of the big things I say or or one of the areas we look at is what the difference is to take it to a commercial route 
what the difference is between license-based and usage-based when you're looking at software as service models and when you're looking at uh, vendors or things, how much that's going to change? Because businesses are using AI, cloud, IoT, um, need more secure data, big manufacturing plants taking everything to the edge so it's all secure within their, um, within their own remit. And all of this, I think, is it, it, it makes me quite, I guess you could call it the low-code, no-code debate, but how that would change yeah. for everyone as well. So not just from a personal view, but does um, does UiPath keep doing um, number of licenses compared to how much a usage of a business? And I think those are going to be bigger changes and massive changes similar to what AWS did with um, how they got their whole program up and running. So it's, um, it's not just with the technology, it's with how we implement it as well it's it, we're in yeah. a very exciting time very lucky to be born at this time because it's uh it no, blows my it's, mind. that that's amazing you know it's interesting how um one of the things you said around this whole no code low code kind of an environment and it's fascinating to think about like we talked about ai being such a community-driven collaborative science if you will right to go do what that yeah. has to then align. Why is it really hard to implement AI is because there's all these separation of concerns that are not separated, right? You have the data science guys who are actually trying to solve problems. You have the data engineering trying to make sure the data is clean, up to date, you know, things like that. There's a user designer who's trying to map the experience for the user. There is a, there is a, there's a software developer or DevOps engineer trying to productionize this and make, put it in production. And all of, they, all, of they, all of them really worry about different things. So there is no separation of concerns. What no-code, low-code platforms allow you to do is build these layers of abstraction that can then go and, and, and uh, be, separate those concerns so everybody can collaborate more easily, better, and make a difference with AI. So um, now, great to call out that particular movement that is happening in the AI world as well. Um, uh, one other question is COVID-19. You guys did a research, uh, and I know um, AI Journal has a research arm, so you do a lot of you know, first-party research and uh, um, uh, re manage research for organizations and institutions as well. And yeah. you did some work on the post-COVID uh, future of work, right? Yeah. Can you share some insights from that report and that, uh, the research that you did? Yeah, of course. So it was, um, it was quite some time ago now, but that got a lot of traction with a lot of publications and it was great to see um, what people were thinking. So we ran a survey and it's uh, something we try and do as a, an investment to really help um, understand where people are and what people are doing. And it really showed to us, we wanted to interview people of all scope. So I remember when we were going around interviewing, it was going to people that said, I don't know anything around AI. I was like, that's great because we want to understand what you do and don't know because we're not going to know until we know what you know. That's why it's important because a lot of these, and I wouldn't say, I wouldn't generalize it, but a lot of companies that are involved with tech, they sometimes get lost in themselves, Ganesh, about looking at just the tech, not actually thinking we've got to sell to people that aren't going to understand what this data model actually does. They just want to know that it's going to save them time or get them home earlier or save them money that they can report that cost. And so we looked at it from that way just to show how optimistic people actually are and how many people are actually going to be implementing it. And it really surprised us because when we originally did the research, we didn't think or oh, know how people were going to respond. And that's why it really led us to want to know more and why we now offer it as a service to say, okay, well, what do people want to know about this? And what do people think AI is going to do? And it was just really, really helpful to understand that because it wasn't as bad as what we thought. And really, I always say, 
you, and it's like anything in life, right? What you don't know, you're generally quite scared of. So if you're not, if you don't know much about it, you're going to probably be a little bit, depending on the situation, or you're not going to be comfortable answering an answer on it or answering a question on it because you don't know anything about it. And it was really trying to debunk that just to try and look at, okay, well, what can executives do? What can team leaders do? And what can we do as a community uh, to help you understand this more than anything? What can we build into this to to help you understand? Uh, and that has kind of framed the kind of topics that we get uh, talked about on our on our platform and all those different ways, but also to, to help people understand that the next time they hear the word artificial intelligence, they don't come up with the classic line of, oh, isn't AI going to take my job? Because it's not, it's, it's there to help. And it's, uh, yeah, it was a great piece of research. So one that we'll have to do again, because that was um, looking while we were, I thought we were coming out of COVID at that time when we ran it, but we're still obviously still in it over here to a degree. And just looking at what would have changed now, if we can look at those advancements, how comfortable people feel, because a lot of the digital, digital transformation projects that happen very quickly, moving people, big big companies moving everyone remote moving everyone with their own laptops moving everyone with servers so they can have access to their data and on slack and on onto a OneDrive or a secure data whatever it was that project it would have changed a lot of things in the since we last ran that report so it was really interesting to see and obviously uses a lot of ai which is what makes me laugh because people say i hate ai and i go do you own my iphone they go yes so i go well, you've got ai in your pocket then <laughs> so it's just like it makes me giggle but it's um yeah, it was a very good report today. Fascinating, fascinating. No, thanks for sharing that. I think, uh, no, definitely COVID was the much needed uh, boost for digital transformation globally. Yeah. Satya Nadella said it, right? I mean, I think it was Q1 of Q2 of last year um, or last year's address. He said like mid, actually mid 2020, he mentioned this. Hey, in the last three months, we've seen uh, three decades of digital transformation that already happened, right? So yeah. um, it's fascinating. It's, it's it's uh, it's pretty fascinating how a little tiny wires that you know the entire wire load in the universe will fit in under seven hundred grams or something like that, there is, or seventy two kg, something like it's just in, incredible how something as tiny, something as small, just appended the whole world to to move so fast. Also, is a story of human resilience and how we actually thrive at the in the at, uh, at an adversity like this, right? So pretty yeah. fascinating. All right. I got some fun questions for you. Um, 2022, we're just beginning. We're kicking it off, right? What are your big predictions for 2022 in tech, in AI, in life in general? No topics uh, barred. That's cool. Um, so one of my predictions is that people are actually going to not like going back to work as much because they'll realize how much they had it when they were at home, which I think will be a big pushing point. And I actually think another prediction of what the technology that will be coming out, I don't reckon we, everyone's big on the metaverse. And I think it's a bit like the, um, I was literally talking about it earlier on um, on another show where looking at with it, um, how the internet was taking ages to be adopted. And now obviously we use it in day-to-day -day life. I reckon it will be the same. I don't reckon this is the year for metaverse. And I don't reckon this is the year for wearables, but I reckon it is a, big year for making sure people are aware of it so I, I don't know where i would stand in what not much can actually be done in a year's time when you think about it because it's always a classic saying people overestimate what they can do in a year they underestimate what they can do in 10 years but i would look at it from what we can be like obviously digital transformation has been a big push um for the past 22 years for the past two years since 2020 and i think a big prediction i'll have 
is how we now stick to working much more remotely, but also kind of understanding that area of where we're going. So it's going to be a good one. I don't know around what sort of technology is going to come out. I mean, we're trying to go to a lot of different shows this year and what's going to be coming out and uh, what cool tech we'll see. But a lot of it isn't necessarily new. It's just market adoption. So it'd be very cool. Um, from my side, from a prediction point of view, I, I've obviously got my own kind of views on where I want to take the AI journal over the next 12 months, which will be very exciting and uh, what we'll do there on how we're reaching people. Um, but also just generally how how the world is going to work. I think it's going to be uh, really interesting to watch. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of jading away from the question a little bit because people who know me know I don't like making predictions, but I also like the idea of what could happen and what can happen. Um, so I think it will be a very exciting year. And I think um, there's going to be a lot of things where I, I think a lot of people are, are anticipating a lot to happen. And I don't reckon, I'm not a negative person, but I don't reckon it's going to happen as quickly as people want. And I don't think things are going to happen that metaverse is all of a sudden going to take over. And I reckon we'll go through this massive peak. It will slow back down, but then five years we'll be having this conversation. And it's 10 times higher. Like I reckon it will be um, a slow thing, but I reckon by the end of this year, I, I hope I have my first, uh, first pair of virtual glasses and first pair of uh, my, my first experience of being in the metaverse. Um, and I reckon this will be the year for it, but I don't reckon it will be the year that, that we adopt it i reckon it will be a year of um a lot and i reckon a lot this year will be a big year for things like global climate change and i know that's whether you're an advocate for it or not i don't know me i just look at it as it's gonna impact a lot of the way that we do business a lot of the way that things happen a lot of predictions on uh, not tech related but a lot of predictions on um, all sorts of consumer trends which obviously ai and machine learning will be used on on the back end to understand how many people are turning to eating becoming vegan or all these different trends so there's a lot of yeah. um yeah i reckon it's going to be a very good year for actually realizing that we need to um change a fair bit before the pandemic before we we're going a bit too crazy so it'll be a good year that is awesome that is so awesome and i hope by the end of the year i get a, a ar glasses that look more like this than yeah. the uh yeah. <laughs> then the clunky well, one that yeah they're gonna be around aren't they the um the facebook ones they mark zuckerberg trial them and he showed uh they're in unison with um ray-ban is it yeah I'm sure ray-ban ray yeah, yeah yeah but you know that it's, it's today it's just a camera right i mean it just it just all it has is a camera uh we did a i i did some work with um i think i can talk about it now because it's launched with bose about five years ago and yeah. um they actually did this augmented audio, right? Which is like, they have the sunglasses, which has got speakers in it. And it's fascinating. It was launched or uh, kind of beta tested during a South by Southwest here in Austin. And what they did was actually, and then we partnered with them to see whether we can apply AI location intelligence and use it in places like theme parks. You're walking by, you're listening to music and you're waiting for a ride on that big giant, uh, giant wheel somewhere. And you get a message saying, hey, there's only a five minute wait there. You can just walk up to it. Imagine doing that in other spaces, stadiums and places like that. And it's a fascinating yeah. uh, piece of technology what Bose did because uh, the audio was so crystal clear. It had the Bose quality and the person standing right next to you can't hear it. It's just you and there's nothing that goes into your ears. It's just fascinating, mind blowing, right? They're, they're selling those glasses. I forget what it's called, but uh, the idea was actually then add cameras to it, to the glasses and stuff. I think one of the challenges we had five years ago was the how do you pack so much power in a small form factor? Now, those problems yeah. are you know getting solved. Battery sizes are shrinking. 
you know, being able to compute power. Like I remember when I first wanted to get deep into uh, VR, virtual realities, 2015, 2016, I had to carry a backpack or have a computer, you know, that's connected to my Oculus Rift or, uh, or, or HTC Vive so that I can power the damn thing, right? Today, Oculus 2, you don't need anything. You just walk around with that, right? That's fascinating. Yeah. I think, uh, uh, but to your predictions, I, I'm hoping, I'm really hopeful. You're right. I think, I, and, and one, one point on your note, on, on your notion of predictions, right? I look at predictions as a, um, you know, not a way to predict the future, but more like putting some accountability into the bets you're making, right? And so yeah. I just published in, at AI Journal, uh, my 2022 predictions are like what to expect in big tech in 2022. And I call on a lot of those things that you're talking about. But your larger theme that you mentioned, which is definitely things are going to happen a lot slower than people think it is going to. So don't if you have FOMO right now about getting into all these bases, it's not late, right? Just get in, but be prepared for a long, arduous journey and learn as you go, right? Uh, that's important. Yeah. That's critical. So I, I think um, I, I share that sentiment of yours. And yeah. uh, fascinating. That's no, that's great. Yeah. Um, that is awesome. So let me, I'm, I got a couple more rapid fire questions for you and then we can wrap up, right? Do you yeah, believe, in, yeah, do you believe in artificial general intelligence? Is that going to happen in our lifetime? Do you fear it? What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I reckon it will happen. It was, um, um, I, I saw the podcast is it near someone and I watched that he said it's not going to be around for about another hundred years and I'll put it in the links after and looking at what it is and what's capable I don't know if it's capable or not but I wouldn't be surprised if it is I mean the rate that and it's quite ironic because I say we move slowly we have these explosive moments where if it's a trend and everyone gets on behind that trend like Elon Musk started with electric cars it wasn't within the first year that electric cars came on. But now look at it. Now sure. it's a trend and everyone's behind it. Look how quickly it's moving. And I think it's the same with what I was saying to Metaverse. I'm, by 10 years, I reckon it will be huge. But it'll be the same with AGI. I reckon AGI will be possible because, and I reckon, call me crazy, but I reckon space travel and hyperspeed will be possible if we can make those right jumps. Because you look, at, right. you look at something like AGI and people say, oh, it's not possible. How do you know that? All it takes is someone to stumble across a piece of code or to stumble across something. Look at Henry Ford, the classic annotation. He said, if anyone looked around and asked people what do they want, uh, if he had gone to ask people what do they want, they'd have turned around and said faster horses. So he turned around and created a car. <laughs> What's that done for the world today? It's arguably the single biggest innovation that's allowed us to achieve everything. And it, it's what spurred movement towards plane travel, to all different technology travel, to all things. And I think it'll be the same with AGI or something. That once you know AGI, who knows what space travel will do because you'll essentially have a human. But yeah, I reckon it will be very possible. And I reckon um, it's it's not to be scared because it's, it's, I mean, all AI is derivative, right? So everything that it gets stemmed from will be from ourselves. It will be like, uh, a general population almost you you have we have criminals out in the world like we can't stop that and there'll be influences i'm sure but i reckon the large majority won't be so that's why i say i'm not scared there might be the occasional accidents and casualties like there are anywhere else in the world and like there are with humans uh but i i do reckon it will be heavily stemmed from what we think i don't think it'll be this terminator or irobot wave of um all surpassing to one greater good or something i i reckon it will be a lot i reckon it'll be very very safe and um very uh, very helpful as well so yeah i reckon it's a, a trend that's gonna appear in our lifetime i don't know when but in our lifetime. no 
That is awesome. You know, I think one one thing that people don't really give credit to is humans do bad things all over. Like while they do all the good things, obviously the good things are more than the bad things. Like you're criminals, you're robbers, you're thieves, you're murderers, all those things. But there's a big difference between a machine or an algorithm or an intelligent system doing that because humans want to do bad things or they they there is there's a want or the desire to do something bad or good, right? Machines yeah. or algorithms have no desire. They're an optimization thing. So, you know, I, I fear not the 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 algorithm or the machine that's gonna take, kill humans. I worry more yeah. about the bad humans who get access to this powerful technology that they can yeah. actually bad things with right so um but it's a fascinating uh, world we live in uh one last question for you tom um personal practice anything that you do on a daily basis that helps you go a million miles an hour and do this thing's a very personal question you can decline to answer oh, too yeah no i love it i take cold showers something my friend was asking me about yesterday uh so i do that every day to try and pump, uh, if, if it's late at night obviously i have a hot shower before i'm going to bed or whatever um but normally cold showers every morning they get me going get me pumped um and normally i try and do a lot of uh, movement so at the moment i'm doing a challenge um for a charity so i'm doing i've done nearly 600 miles hoping to get to 750 miles because i've taken a few breaks but just to always keep myself active and um i remember i learned it when i was at a tony robbins seminar to just keep yourself movement creates focus and when you're moving you get better ideas and when uh, I, I mean i look at it like a very successful people they're not athletes but they're always moving they're always walking they're always keeping active and it, it is keeping your your head moving because once you're active and once you've got fitness going you feel you feel better and you feel and you don't need to become a fitness freak like i'm no athlete but that's what i do um every day to try and get movement try and get energy and when you've got energy and when you've got passion it, it makes things a lot easier to go into it makes a challenge a lot easier yeah. to go to and it makes hearing the word no from someone you want to have as a client or something you're trying to set up or so it makes it a lot easier to think okay to not look at it as a problem but to look at it as a, a solution so those are the two things always movement always cold showers and um, always gratitude as well, because it can be a lot worse, even on the worst days. So those are the three things awesome. I always try and focus on. That is awesome. Gratitude, cold showers and movement. I love it. On, on, on the note on cold showers, I read this book, uh, What Doesn't Kill You, uh, What Doesn't Kill Us by, uh, it was actually Scott Carney, but he, it's basically the Wim Hof story, right? The ice man, Wim Hof. Yeah, right yeah, so i read this you know i want to say about five years ago and i'm a huge cold shower fan too i i do cold showers too every day and uh it's a if, if you haven't checked this book out it's fascinating it just it just changed my life back in the you know five years ago when i first read it uh so it's cold yeah. showers um visual meditation so visualization and breath control do a lot of things and i do a lot of yoga myself too so uh, no, it's yeah. fascinating. I love the I love the the three the trifecta: movement, cold showers, and gratitude. And uh, with yeah. that, you know, I think that's amazing advice for everybody watching the show. Um, yeah, Tom, it. this was fascinating. Thanks so much for jumping on. It was a blast. Yeah, love it, Ganesh. Really appreciate you having me on, and uh, hope the audience find value from it. It's been, it's been good. Yeah. No. One one last question. Sorry. How can the viewers and listeners get in touch with you? Where can they find you on the internet? Yeah, so if you type in AI Journal, you can find a website. Um, should be top of the list. If you type in AI Journal into LinkedIn, you can join the community and uh, follow up with us. You can um, connect with me, Tom Allen, on LinkedIn. 
um, which is where I'm hanging out quite a bit at the time. And um, on our LinkedIn, you always see that we're publishing the link to our Slack channel that we're trying to build, um, our newsletter, so you can join them to get free updates. Uh, for our newsletter, we have um, multiple event partnerships. I think we're touching 65 at the moment, and we're always giving away um, loads of cool freebies, free tickets, reduced sponsorship, um, notes that you don't get elsewhere, exclusive discounts. So uh, I'd recommend joining that, and that gets pushed to our um, LinkedIn. So um, if you're not on LinkedIn, come and join us on there because it's where we have a lot of fun, and um, we would do a lot of LinkedIn lives and uh, where, where you can come and reach out to me personally. We'd love to help and see what we can do together. Awesome. Onwards. Thank you so much, Tom. Happy 2022. And uh, uh, where you and I and AI will change the world for sure. Looking forward. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you did, I encourage you to do three things. Number one, share with your friends and family. If someone else can learn from this, get inspired and take action, they need to. Number two, subscribe so you do not miss a single episode. You can do it at your favorite podcast location or at youtube.com. Number three, let me know if you have any questions, comments, or ideas for me or my guests. And check out storiesinai.com to access show notes and more resources. Thank you for listening. See you next time.